<laughs> All right, I'm ready when you guys are. 40 minutes of awkward silence. <laughs> 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 I don't know, are we very silent? Lynchian, very Lynchian. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Twin Peaks Logcast or Twin Peaks Logcasting, whichever you prefer. We're too I'm, lazy to fix the logo. <laughs> I'm Colleen Carney Hefner. I'm the editor in chief of Drunk Monkeys. I'm Chris Pruitt. I'm the managing editor of Drunk Monkeys. And we have a special guest for this episode. Um, Seth, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, I'm Seth Fisher. Um, I am not part of Drunk Monkeys, <laughs> but <laughs> I am a Sorry, writer. Sorry, we screwed up. We need to get him out of here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm a writer, an editor, a teacher, um, and I do other things. Um, and I'm excited to talk about Twin Peaks. Woo! All right. So let's get started. We're going to be covering season one, episode two on this episode. So, Chris, take it away. Okay. Episode is titled Traces to Nowhere, which <laughs> the first episode didn't have a title. So now this is something we get to talk about, or unless Pilot is a title. Um what the fuck are the traces to nowhere? <laughs> traces to nowhere? You know what? I, 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 don't not, even, I, I did don't... not come away with any sense of what that meant nope. by the end of this episode. <laughs> Maybe the real traces to nowhere is the title, Traces to Nowhere. <laughs> um, what let's... is nowhere? Uh, that, now that's... <laughs> what is that? Is, is, is it time to break out the Lynch impression? <laughs> Great! They're asking the right questions <laughs> Um, so it opens up with a shot of, like, just panning over the hotel room, um, at the Great Northern that Coop has checked himself into, um, and, like, the bass mounted on the wall and shit like that, and he's talking to Diane, and so, again, with the sort of repeating what the pilot episode does, there's a sort of establishment of this, like, nowhere America normalcy, maybe that's the real traces to nowhere uh before we get anything weird and then it just pans on the coop upside down it is like like really weird like 1940s style underwear <laughs> situation that he's got going on he's upside down and he's explaining literally yeah. everything to diane he's like diane it is wednesday it is kind of tepid outside it the the humid is the humidity is 43 and a half percent like it's just stuff you don't like he doesn't really say any of that stuff but it's just stuff no one really gives a shit about like we don't need that much information which leads me to think that coop is very detail oriented mm, yeah, that's a that's a character trait <laughs> established analysis well. <laughs> he's, he's very detail oriented but a little kooky, which is why he's upside down from ah, his shoes. Mm-hmm. That's You've the one where the he goes on the rant about the mattress and yes, yeah, yeah, talking about the ma- ma- yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. In El Paso, he mentions I, I put down this note El Paso question mark, which is like <laughs> just evokes a place never to talk about it ever again. <laughs> it's like the first thing that if you turn in a story in a workshop, somebody's like, "What the fuck is that in there for? Take that out." <laughs> well, maybe they'll get back to El Paso yeah, at some point yeah. on this show. <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, my guy is 
fit, man. Like, you can't really tell when he's, like, wearing those jackets all the time and stuff, but when he, like, does the almost gymnast swing down from the pull-up bar or whatever the fuck he's hanging on, like, he's like, oh, he's got some guns here, man. (laughs) I actually looked at that bar for a long time because I was trying to figure out if he installed it or like if it had a purpose like i was like is that like a like a utility like is there like it's like a pipe like we have a bar like that in the back and i guess it's because there was a sprinkler system there at one point so that's just like the leftover sort of like bar Mm -hmm. that the sprinkler system ran through and i'm like why is there a bar just there like in this hotel and what are those special boots that he's like garters or something. Garters, like yeah. Really weird looking. And like he, he takes those with him everywhere as he travels. <laughs> right. <laughs> Detail oriented. I need a room. I need a firm mattress. Yeah. I need a bar to hang upside down on. <laughs> and then he's going on and on and he says, which leads me to think about and not you're like, oh, he's gonna get into Laura's death. No. Who killed Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> yeah, so this is not really a spoiler to say this, but for anybody who's, like, a weirdo who's gone into, like, the supplementary material for this series and read the books and stuff, you know that was the moment Mark Frost, to like, seized the pen and, like, had to write, oh, conspiracy theory, generic conspiracy theory, <laughs> just, like, had to shove that in there really quick. Who no really reason. killed JFK? Did it have something to do with Marilyn Monroe? Who knows? This is really going to land with our 1990s audience of Midwest parents and weirdos. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, I mean, this is one of my favorite scenes from the entire series. But for some reason, all I wrote down was Billy Bass, question mark, exclamation <laughs> mark. Because those things, they looked exactly like yeah. Billy Bass. And I wanted them to start singing. Aiden had one. Aiden had the filet of fish one, though. The thing, the filet of fish McDonald's. <laughs> and he thought it was so funny. He was like six. Aiden is my 14-year-old son. <laughs> you probably F- hate him. Future guest of the podcast, yeah. I, I imagine. Um, yeah, no, I I find that's often the case with Lynch's work is I find I have the most to say when I don't care for a scene or I'm not sure what it's conveying to me. Uh, when it goes, it's like, yeah, okay, that like transplanted directly into my brain is a mush of weird images and we've moved on to the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, from there, he's downstairs ordering breakfast and... This this scene is, like, so oft-repeated, oft-gift on the internet and whatever, but something I'd never really thought about until this moment is, like, when the waitress drops the coffee off, and he takes the sip, and he says it's uh, damn fine coffee, he goes, wait a minute, before he takes the sip, so, like, she doesn't leave, and, like, my thought is, like, what the fuck is he gonna do if it's bad or something? Like, he takes a sip, he's like, medium, try again, like, what was, what was the plan? Like, what the fuck? Fuck is your problem? He berates her for fifteen minutes. He also orders his eggs over hard. You know, and then and he says that's hard on his arteries. Yeah, yeah but what he is said, over? So it's hard on my arteries, just as hard as I want those eggs. <laughs> but what does over hard mean? Is that like hard boiled? What is no, that? Over hard is like better for you than over easy. It's like over easy has the runny yolk, and over hard is you cook it through so the yolk is cooked, but it's still there. Ooh, that's blasphemous, in my opinion. I know it's also not that it's over easy that's hard on your arteries he knows a lot about mattresses about pine trees about marilyn monroe but he does not know his eggs and that is his fatal flaw in the end another choice piece of language here is that he starts talking about his bacon how he wants it very crispy and this is when the camera pans over to audrey and stuff and so his voice kind of fades into the back but you hear him say he's like just very crispy he says 
cremated. <laughs> he gets cremated, <laughs> which is such a weird word choice, no matter what. Can I ask you about the look he gives Audrey? I can't read it. Like, is he like, oh, or is he like, uh oh, or is it both, or what? Is Might be a little bit of both. I, I think it's a little bit of both, and that that's always been the read I've had on it. And this is one of these weird meta things where there's a lot of conversation about what this plot was supposed to be, what it wound up turning into with the season break and uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff. And um, so I, I think it's up, I think it's fair game for speculating upon. I, I think it's supposed to be like, especially knowing the way they were pantsing the plot of this story at this point, I think it could retroactively be read either way. You know, they could have gone one way or the other with it. I will say it's absolutely forever cringe that, like, as she's walking up, he's telling the waitress, two grapefruits freshly squeezed. <laughs> and it's supposed to be cringe, but it's, like, it's real cringe. Like, it, it lands real, real bad. <laughs> this whole scene with her and him is so... I wrote flirting. Embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. It's just embarrassing <laughs> I, to me I wrote, to watch I, yeah, as a person. I wrote Audrey's line here, do your palms ever itch? <laughs> and then I wrote beneath it, the fuck? <laughs> and that's, I think that's my whole analysis for I that. I also but. wrote uh, Audrey hearts, which means she sees him and she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? But then I wrote jail, but, and then I wrote emotional problems. <laughs> which I think sums up Audrey as a yeah, 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 yeah. this whole scene is Audrey just... Hart jailbait emotional problems that's actually the entire Audrey character is she 16 or 17 in this scene I think she's 6 I think she's supposed to be 16 I mean not that it makes a difference yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's she's it's bad or it's also bad yeah. <laughs> it's a little less here. bad <laughs> well how old is he supposed to be like at 30 or something yeah yeah like very, he's, he's, he's not very old yeah and as the prequel explores and stuff he's been an FBI agent for a while at this point so it's right. not like you're an FBI agent when you're 18 at a high school. So it's like, no matter how the fiction describes it, he has to be late 20s at the earliest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's supposed to be like 30 or 31 yeah, or something yeah. like that. It's not great, is what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it could be worse. It's still not the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damning with faint praise. Um, we have this weird scene where uh, Coop shows up at the police office and police office the police station whatever you call that thing um <laughs> the police store <laughs> fuck cops um and he shows up and is like hey uh talking to lucy she's like got food in her mouth like somebody else has food in their mouth he walks in the room to talk to harry and harry is just harry, hungrily he, shoves, yeah. he, he, he just crams <laughs> this like looked- like tart looking thing into his face <laughs> Isn't this episode, like, this episode seems the most, like, the naked gun of all of yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, I was, it's very goofy. I, I was wondering about that, and maybe this is a moment to get into this, but I was asking Colleen, I'm like, well, maybe we should ask Seth about this on mic, but did he tell you why he wanted to do this episode? And then she was like, well, he wanted to do episode three, and that was already taken from the, from the uh, GoFundMe or whatever. And I was like, ah, okay, I get it. Because this is an interesting episode, because the pilot... It introduces a lot, but it's also very plot, 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 plot. And this one, it feels like, okay, now that we know we have a series, let's spread it out a little. Let's yeah, get like some character stuff bit, going yeah. on and so forth. And I know that they also, like, shot it, like, 
a year after the pilot because of the time it took to chop the series around, green light it, and whatever. So you have a feeling that they're like settling back into it, telling us about these characters with the idea we'll be with them for a long time. And so as a result, like nothing happens in this episode. Like <laughs> there's a lot of important character stuff that comes out, but like in terms of where are we going with the story? Why is this shit happening? Like it's like literally nothing. a five minute scene of yeah. Harry chewing on yeah, yeah. like like maybe he might say something, but he needs to get and, this donut. Yeah, he just first. crams it in his mouth, and Cooper kind of does the whole like exposition thing. Here's where we're at with the investigation. Here's what we're gonna go do today. And Harry can't talk because he has the thing in his mouth, which. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of mechanically funny from, like, a storytelling thing. Like, oh, the character can't respond, so Cooper's just doing an info dump right now. But then when Coop walks out of the room because he says, quote, I have to urinate, um, (laughs) and then um, Harry swallows this entire confection that he put in his mouth with one, like, cartoon sound effect, goop, and it's just, what the hell was this? I just, I know I said this last episode, but... I just try to picture my my father, who's just like the most like kind of straight laced, not into weird stuff, dude. Trying to be like, yeah, all right, this is gonna be like a murder mystery, and then just watching this guy hanging upside down, and and this dude comically eating a donut, and just being like, what have I signed up for? Yeah, yeah. But but even that is like, if you excerpt this episode two, season one, out of the series, and take it all on its own with no further knowledge of the series, it's like. This reads as some weird, quirky, small-town dramedy yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, there's no hint of where we're going, and, like, even <laughs> even a little bit, no. like, at this point, which is part of the power of what we're... Well, I shouldn't say no hint, but there's one incredibly marginal hint, and that's about it. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it's sort of... The tonal shift is part of what I think makes the series effective, but it also means some of these early episodes are, like... Once you've seen what's to come, it reads really strange. Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> um, well, I mean, he was trying to get like soap opera watchers involved, right. right? He was trying to get like the Days of Our Lives viewers to switch over to this and then just fuck with them. Is it, I mean, that's how it's been explained to me. Is that right? Probably. Yeah. I mean, that, that certainly sounds like something he would do. <laughs> the old bait and switch. Oh, you thought you were getting this one thing? Well, guess what? <laughs> oh, God. All right. So, so, yeah, that's the scene. So, that's the scene. Then there's kind of a strong tunnel shift to remind us of the stakes where uh, Coop and Harry are sitting at the at a table in the police station and Doc Hayward is going over the autopsy with this sort of caveat that like, oh, somebody else did it because I emotionally could not handle yeah. doing right. this. The scene really and, made me sad because yeah, yeah. was like, I've known her her whole life. I delivered her. Yeah. She was my daughter's best friend. Like, and it, it was just like so sad to, yeah. to me. Like, it really like, I felt a little emotional. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I felt the same way. And uh, the note I made about it was, this scene kind of reminds me of something this story or the series as a whole does well in a really low key way that I don't think it's talked about enough is it does parody a lot of this police procedural stuff. We were talking about naked gun, but it also does a good job of reminding you what the emotional stakes are supposed to be. Even if they are sometimes kind of abstracted or in kind of parodied or they're happening in strange ways, it never really glosses over the way the impact these murders, these weird things going on in the town are affecting its inhabitants. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. On any police procedural, you get, like, the first, you you know, 
even if it's a one episode take, like you get like the first couple minutes where it's like, oh, and then like after that, it's just okay, scene, 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 and nobody cares anymore. You yeah, know? like the emotional impact is already gone because the point is just to chew up the plot. Yeah, and solve and, the crime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And something this series does well, and it does it particularly well in this scene, I think, is reminds you that you're supposed to be invested in this community in the way it's making these people feel, despite all of this kind of like cornball shit that's happening like stylistically within the show also is doc haywood like the purest character on this show (laughs) there's like i don't think it's a spoiler to say there's no weird side plot there's no (laughs) weird secrets he's just a guy with some daughters and he's nice (laughs) yeah in season two there is a weird subplot that he's kind of on the fringes of but he comes out looking like the good guy yeah (laughs) yeah so so Everybody else is terrible in yeah. the show. I, in I some don't way. think that's a spoiler. Yeah. No, no, no. They all have their, their own weird-ass issues, and he's just like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. It right. breaks my heart, Harry. <laughs> I delivered, Laura. Speaking of terrible people. Uh, yep, and next is Leo. <laughs> and we get a lingering shot on the big, big pussy pussycat cat. logo on his truck. <laughs> in case we weren't sure. <laughs> just a good... I think I mentioned this last episode, but uh, I remember when I was doing one of the rewatches a few years ago, I wrote on Facebook, wow, Leo and Shelly have a washing machine outside the house. David Lynch truly is a visionary. Because <laughs> I just remember- What a parody of domestic life. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? So. From the twisted mind of David Lynch. Yeah, this, is, this is a really, really good moment here where he does this thing where he's like, hey, Shelly. Wash my clothes. And then he throws that at her, and then her ride shows up, which he knew was coming, because she yeah, goes back she's to like, I'm like, gonna, she's I'm, like, I'm oh. gonna go to work. And then when her ride shows up, he then walks all the way back to the washing machine anyway to tell her her ride is there. Yeah, and then he gets mad at her that she's not yeah, rushing yeah, yeah. up to the ride. But, He's like, yeah. she's waiting for you. It's like, and, well, what do you want? And, and like, and like, I get that the point is that he's being cruel to be cruel, and not because it makes sense or whatever, but it's also like, this scene is so weirdly plotted out. Like, did, did you do my laundry? No, you didn't. It's like, well, I didn't know you had a secret bag of laundry in your <laughs> truck. Yeah. I had the weirdest reaction to this scene because I hadn't seen this show for a while before I rewatched it. And when I saw it last time, I was like 20. <laughs> and I thought of Leo as this big, scary old guy. And I watched it this time, and I was like, he's a baby. Yeah, he's like 23. He's, he's like a dork. <laughs> yeah, like... And he sucks. He's Last an asshole, but he's about a dork. We were like, we're, and we know he's, like, abusive and awful, and not to make light of that, but, like, have you seen this guy? His hair is, like, all... He looks like, like, what's his name from Roseanne, kind of? <laughs> David Galecki? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, like, his older, tougher brother. <laughs> like, why are you letting him boss you around? <laughs> but this is a weird scene. And then Shelly, of course goes to do the laundry like a good wife and notices that there's blood. Like, like a good wife. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for taking Leo's side. <laughs> right, sorry, I'm teasing. Somebody, needed, somebody needed to stand up for his abusive boyfriend. <laughs> Someone needs to do the laundry. How about that? The laundry's not going to do fair, itself. Fair. But there's blood. On, and she's like, blood on the shirt, which is like, we didn't need that line, but yeah. okay. But like... Leo, how dumb are you? I mean, I know we're not yeah. working with well, a full box of crayons I, here, I, but... I, I talk about this later because we kind of cut back to we, the Leo we and Kelly household shortly, um, but we can talk about it now, um, where I just... In, in a couple of scenes, 
we see him panicking, re- and right? Like, looking I was going to get to that, looking right. for this bloody shirt, and then like he's like looking everywhere in the truck and stuff. It's like how the fucking laundry that you threw at your wife earlier, you dipshit! Like what? Why that shirt home? Burn it. Yeah. Let's move on with this. So, so yeah. this whole scene and, is just bizarre. Yeah, and and of course, before we leave it, we should mention her incredibly clever hi- hiding place of stick it in a cabinet immediately next to the washing machine. <laughs> and we'll see, we'll see how well that holds. Right. <laughs> and to get back to your point, the outside washing machine and wood cabinet in the Pacific Northwest. I know. So it would just be this giant, moldy, rusty yeah, mess. Gross. It's gross. <laughs> And plus, but, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that, that house is like under construction the entire series. Like we always see, like walls are blown out from like, it. And stuff. Like I know a, there's, the insulation I, is just visible. I, constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I know it's some imagistic David Lynch shit, but also it's like that house would be flooded like every other day. Like, doesn't make any sense. Maybe that's why Leo's so mad all the time. <laughs> constant mm. household problems. Anyway, but. Maybe Shelly did the laundry more. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Look, as someone who does the laundry co- every day, constant laundry, I'm on Leo's side here. Someone else should do it for once. All right. <laughs> I'm just projecting. That's, God damn that's it. Truly, in it. <laughs> truly enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> on every level. Spent so much time on this one scene. So, so next, next we've got Coop and Harry doing their questioning of our large foreheaded friend. <laughs> Uh, James, who's very cool, as the series will attempt to convince us over and over and over and fail to do. Um, he, like, they, they do their typical thing where they're, like, asking him what happened. He basically just retells this thing that he told Donna about, like, she was riding with me and then she ran away from me. Why would anybody want to run away from me? It doesn't make any sense. And then Coop repeats his absolutely insane enhanced trick this time without the like super cool guy like reach the remote around his back move but just casually not even looking at the screen taps a button and he's like that your bike no he goes no i'm sorry i'm sorry he says is that your cycle? Yes. Nobody has ever called <laughs> a motorcycle a cycle. It doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, it's frozen right in that exact bullshit frame where it's, like, zoomed into her eyeball. Video, and then I made this, like, frowny face. I'm so frustrated by this stupid video subplot thing. I'll, I'll also say something interesting about was this. Was that James or Bobby? I'm, that was, it's James's bike. No, no, when they, when they do the... Um, Interview first. Do they interview Bobby or James? They do no, interview. They yeah. They interview oh, okay. Bobby and uh, his. That's his later on. Later. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's like okay. they're both ridiculous. Yeah. Scenes, so. <laughs> Another interesting point in this scene is um, is that Coop asks um, James outright, uh, "Was Laura doing coke?" And he's like. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they were doing coke. And it's like, in the pilot episode, there was, like, this whole subplot where Coop is like, she's doing coke. And then Harry's like, what? No! Like, coke has never, there's never been coke anywhere in Twin Peaks. And then and Coop is like, he's like, oh, yeah, I bet you it's coke. I bet it's maybe coke. And Harry's like, mm, it's impossible. And then right here, they're sitting at this table, and he's like, is she doing coke? And James is like, yeah. And Harry's like, 
<laughs> yeah, <it's> a- <laughs> and, and, I, and I know that there's no video on this. I was just like vaguely nodding, but like the point is, he doesn't say anything. He's not like so no, mission accomplished. Like it, no, I, I don't think there's anything of significance there. I, I think, think well, he didn't. Is this the scene where James is like, I tried to get her to stop, yeah, 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 yeah. but she wouldn't, yeah. or she promised she would, or something. And it's like she, she, he's like, she stopped for a while, but then she started doing it again, <laughs> bringing the good acting and. and <laughs> And they're like, uh, did anything happen? He was like, I don't know. Something happened. <laughs> this <is> very <laughs> helpful, man. <laughs> uh. This oh, podcast God. is mostly about shitting on James. <laughs> I don't, I, we, we should have pre-warned you about that. <laughs> He's terrible. He's the worst. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Then we cut to, right, the scene of him and Laura. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like- and she goes, and first of all, I need to say this. Laura... Is obnoxious the way she talks. Oh yeah, especially uh-huh. in this scene. And she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm, "Hey, I'm the timer." And it's like, "What are you doing?" Did you ever see that Thirty Rock episode where the girl's like, "Let's touch boobies," and she's like, "Stop it!" You're like embarrassing women all over the world. And she's like, "But I like the way I talk." Like that's what that reminds me of. She's like, mm, "I'm the timer," and I wanted, yeah. to, uh, it- but can I just say the scene where she goes? Guess what? I'm so happy. And James says, "Cause your skin is so soft and you smell good." <laughs> what, I'm pointing out my nose. I have the whole quote we written both down wrote here. It down. <laughs> what is that? No, I'm not happy because my skin is soft. That no one in the history of the world has ever been like. Well, I'm happy today because my skin feels soft. I don't know if you've like maybe. changed up. Yeah, if you changed up your moisturizing routine recently, you're like, it's, this shit is paying off right now. It's funny because every once in a while I teach at a high school, and instead of writing down that quote, I wrote, "Wow, captures high school emotions really well." <laughs> because I'm surrounded by that shit all day. Yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is. A thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. still like... And, and it's also like, it's supposed to be filtered through this character of James, who we shit on a lot, but the point is that James is like a tortured little weirdo. Like, yeah. of course he's weird but also, shit like, on I have a hard time, like, I don't think we mentioned it, but when they were talking about the autopsy, they were like, well, she definitely had sex with three different people that night and whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, to me, like, Laura is not this, like, little high school girl. She's something else entirely. So yeah. for her to be like, yeah, I'm happy because my hair yeah. smells good. It, it's it just, does, like, weird to it, me. It does beg a little bit, and there is possibly something interesting about that with things that we learn about Laura, and especially in the prequel movie when we see more of her. Um, it does make you kind of think, was it really that, like, the idea that James had of her or what she was demonstrating to james was just that significantly yeah. different of a character like it's obviously very cartooned in this particular scene but Ugh. it does make you think about that a little bit um but it's just bad it's really awkward like <laughs> maybe it's intentionally awkward in fact probably it is but uh, oh my <laughs> it's, God. it's the word the way he says it is so awful i'm so mad thinking back on it now <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, next we have, um, I have, this is when we cut back to Leo and Shelly's place and Leo is like frantically looking around for the bloody shirt. Um, and, uh, hello, she didn't turn on the washer, by the yeah, way. Yeah, 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 nothing happened to those clothes. But on top of that, <laughs> like he's, 
He's <laughs> so mad about this. He starts. <laughs> he starts by digging around in his truck. Like he doesn't even think to go look in the laundry that he made a point of yelling at and hurling and at hurling his wife earlier. Like he's just shirt. running all over the place, and he's like, "Oh yeah, the laundry." And so then he runs over to the laundry, opens it up. Laundry's not done. Pulls out a couple of random items. He's like a sock. Yeah, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't look anywhere else around the weird outdoor laundry machine, and then just like. <laughs> like that's the whole scene it's, it's so, so dumb oh my god uh, I'm infuriated by this laundry subplot <laughs> well uh, I mean I always just assumed he was on a lot of cocaine yeah yeah but yeah, yeah, to be fair, I, mean, I was once being, on a lot of cocaine, and I still managed to do laundry correctly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and you're right, that's probably the point, but it still looks ludicrous. <laughs> you're really breaking it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane looking. This is like the Twin Peaks version of a close read. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, next we get kind of just... It's kind of like an interstitial thing that I assumed was probably running into a commercial break or something on the original broadcast where we see part of that video of her and Donna in the mountains partying. And so the first note I have here is, do you think Lynch knows anything about what actual cocaine use looks like? (laughs) Um, Like, they're, like, doing these weird, like, patty cake dance games or something, and, like, it's so They're not sweaty. They're not sweaty. They're not rambling. They're not clenching their jaw in a weird way. They look very relaxed, which is not what anybody (laughs) I've ever seen on coke has looked like. Um, And also, they haven't, like... I guess it's supposed to be, oh, they're doing coke, but they have, like, shit smeared all over their face. It's like, how did they wind up like this? <laughs> what is actually like, going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, there's, secondly, there's this weird, help me, voiceover at the end of the clip, which is like, what the fuck? Like, that's, on, on the, uh, in the, like, vocabulary of David Lynch, even that's, like, beyond the pale in terms of just bizarre why is this happening it's just cheesy for no reason like i i don't even know what i'm I supposed feel like to be getting like, an, like an exec what was this on abc then like an exec something was like, like look we need something just yeah. Gonna help me yeah here. yeah you always you always had to wonder like how where some of these decisions came from and so forth but wow that was like <laughs> i was like why is this happening oh god okay <laughs> then we move on to uh bobby in jail with Mike, uh, mm, talking about Leo. Yeah, and, and that's the, probably right. Yeah, yeah, talking about Leo and and how. Oh, this scene too. They're talking about how they owed Leo ten thousand dollars because mm-hmm. of this cocaine situation or whatever drug smuggling, and you know if they're like, oh, it's not good. Like we don't want anybody to figure this out. And oh my God, Leo's gonna be mad at us. We owed him ten thousand dollars, and then Bobby has the audacity to say that Laura was supposed to give it to him, but went and fucking died. And he's, like, so put off, but he's like, oh, fucking. I forget exactly what he said. He, like, he's like, then she had to go and check out her out yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's your girlfriend. But even, it's like, even though, like, you know, she's cheating on you, you're cheating on her. Yeah. That's still, like, someone you know, like... Maybe not be we, like, well, I really wish she'd given me the $10,000 before somebody murdered her. What a bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we hate it because it's terrible, but it's really interesting to me on this rewatch in particular. I keep noticing the way they build Bobby's character. It's very, like, it's it's so over the top that it's, like, it's kind of interesting and awesome to watch him develop because 
in every situation. He does the absolute shittiest thing. Even, like, to the point where it's not even cartoonish. It's, like, somehow above that. And is like, he's, like, a malevolent fucking force. <laughs> you know? It's, it, like, Ashbrook's performance as that character is so good, I think. Like, it, it's very corny in a David Lynch way, but it's, like, you buy him entirely as well, that character. Well, this is the scene where he barks, right? Or is that a little later? He was barking, he I think, in the, in the pilot. Fir- yeah, in the first one he barked. Oh, in the first yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that that yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just captures him. Yeah. <laughs> he reminds me of Aiden so much. <laughs> Sad attitude. If he starts bringing home footballs, I'm going to start cutting them open. <laughs> Where did that come from? Oh, God. All right. <laughs> It doesn't really seem like a football kind of guy. No, I don't, I don't think we're going there. <laughs> um, we do. I, I think the next thing that happens is we see Donna in her house with her mom, um, where oh my God. this like scene, scene is just. Why and is she petting her daughter? That's part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, like an and, and her mom is like so sweet too, but like yeah. it's like oh, what is happening in this scene? Yeah, like it, I'm in love with oh the scene. Every it's her mom's reaction that is weird to me yeah. because Donna is kind of like this spacey weird character who goes through a lot of really intense emotional changes throughout the series. That like it's enough that it's like it it feels like it's supposed to be part of her character pattern. She reacts to things in extreme ways. I'm fine with that. So, but when she starts saying all this weird shit about how, like, um, you know, Laura was cheating on her boyfriend with this other guy, but now I'm having sex with the guy, or, like, going to, or whatever, like, I, I'm together love. with the guy, yeah, I'm in love with him now, and then her mom is just like, like, oh, yeah, okay, She's like, cool. well, you know, they were together, but then I realized we were falling in love. It's like, when? You just talked to him, like, you just had, like, a, your first actual conversation yeah. with him, like, two minutes ago. You were falling in and, love and, when? And, and, when and, your best friend was fucking yeah. him? That's yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the mom is like, well, you know, it's hard when your friend dies. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. and This is a bad idea. Like, no. And, the, and there's also this element, too, of like, this is supposed to be the morning after she snuck out to mysteriously meet people at the roadhouse where there was a huge fight. Poor and like, she got, Yeah, she got, she got brought home by the cops late at night. Um, and like, and all of this happens and it's like, oh, sweetie, it's probably good that you're meeting up with this strange boy whose girlfriend just died in the middle of the woods at night. So like, you get a new relationship Your dad said you went out to meet with this guy. Like, you're a bad mother. Went out to meet with this. Yeah. Your dad said you snuck out past curfew in a murder town to meet this guy. So when can I meet him? <laughs> he said he wanted to come over for fruit punch. And guess what? He's going to come over today. <laughs> but we don't know that yet. Um, in, well, if, if he was French-Canadian, she would have changed her tune. Because they're the bad guys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the show is very clear about there's one family of French-Canadians in the world, and they're all bad guys. That's a spoiler coming up. We're getting to it's, it. It's not a very big spoiler. We're going to start laying down yeah, that foundation. Start laying the foundation this very episode. But if you see a French-Canadian dude on the screen, that's a bad guy. <laughs> um, okay. So, speaking of Big Ed, of poor Big Ed, now we get this wonderful meeting of the minds where Coop and Big Ed shake hands for the first time. <laughs> the sexual energy. The, the raw masculinity. The raw masculine power. It's like you can feel it over the years, over the mediums, DVD, tape, 
cable network yeah. broadcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just pierces your soul. They look like the League of Extraordinary Dads or something. Like they're just—it's just, it's just an incredible lineup. Of, Daddy, yeah, yeah, is what you yeah. mean. <laughs> that is what I mean. It's like with Ed and Coop shaking hands, and then Harry just kind of presiding over the scene in it's the like, middle, not really saying anything. Like, oh. <laughs> Powerful, powerful '90s dad, hot in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we have uh, an introduction, in a way, to Albert. Albert calls Coop during oh, the right. scene. Oh, yeah. We don't hear him. We don't hear yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. they lay down the Albert yeah. idea, and Albert's one of my personal favorites. So super good, very good character. So I'm glad we'll get to see a lot yeah. more of him very soon, He's and we're all gonna like it. <laughs> Um, I want to, before we move on from that, I want to point out a couple things about the Ed conversation. He refers to being back on his stakeout, which is the first mention we'll get of this sort of secret society. I think the name doesn't get dropped until a little bit later in the episode. It's coming. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's like two minutes later when James walks out. Not yet. Don't (laughs) say it yet. So I'm not, I'm not saying it. Also, I love this bit where Ed's like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely those kids kicked my ass, but I'm pretty sure my beer was drugged. Like, he's <laughs> yeah. just, like, totally sandbagging for getting the shit kicked out of him by these, like, teenagers. And who does he throw under that bus? The French Canadians. <laughs> Jacques Renault. Jacques, Jacques Renault. Renault. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Chuck, who was working that night, drugged me. <laughs> It's the only explanation, Coop. It's the only reason that <laughs> that like, two ath- two young athletes can kick my ass. And Truman's like, we believe you. Yeah, Ed, you're right. That is the only explanation. <laughs> um, and so then this is when... Uh, I think this is... It's right here that James comes out, right? Yes, but and, I do want to mention that on the phone with Albert, Coop mentions that he should stop in a town and get a pie. So he oh, just yeah. has this, like, Rolodex memory of pies across America. No, no, he talks, he talks about the Lamplighter Inn. Lamplighter which is, Inn. Which he did mention in the pilot. Yeah. He said he stopped at the Lamplighter but Inn. But he's so. just, like... I like this, like, idea that he's still thinking about this pie. Yeah, yeah. It's just haunting him at it, this well, point. And it's also particularly funny when we meet Albert imagining him receiving this information about a pie and giving any form of shit about it. Also, how is he so fit if his whole exercise routine is just hanging upside down? Yeah, and, <laughs> and shortly, shortly here, Harry will draw attention to this phenomenon and it will just not be addressed. Like, it, it will, it's in the, it's on, on the page, it's in the text, and still there's no real answer to it. Um, so... Following this, we get, like, James comes out, Ed's there to pick him up or whatever, I guess, and it's like, he's like, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna need somebody to watch my back. I'm gonna need, so, gonna need I'm, some I'm help glad. from the, the Bookhouse book Boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, aw, yeah. <laughs> the Bookhouse Boys. And Ed's all like, okay. <laughs> that, no, I, I'm pretty sure he says, it's already taken care of. <laughs> because he's both uncle and daddy. <laughs> Okay. It's kind of pure in a way. He's like the bookhouse boy. <laughs> Ed, Ed is the best character. Like, we I don't also really have this cutaway scene with that. Nadine and Norma. Yeah. Yeah. The, the drape runners. This, this scene. I, I remember this scene forever. I don't know what it is about the silent drape runners. It's just like the perfect. Cotton. Balls. Cotton balls. <laughs> and she's so like high key hates Norma. Because yeah. she like knows. She like, knows. She just knows. But that. like, she probably can't quite conceptualize it. Or and she's just like, like hi, Norma. Yeah. You know what I've been working on? 
drapes. Yeah. And Norma's like, okay. Like, I, she's, I don't even think she says one thing. She's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. like. Well, no, because it, it starts and they're both aggressive because Nadine yeah. goes, what are you doing here? And Norma goes, I could ask you the same thing. And it's like, they're at the, like, they're at, like, the drugstore or something. Like, <laughs> like, like, not anything. Like, they're there to buy <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> idiot. There's only one of these things in this town, probably. Like, uh, <laughs> um, one thing I will notice, I really love the phraseology here when Nadine is like, and me and Ed were up all night. Installing those drapes. <laughs> God. Yeah. Chef's kiss. It was so beautiful. Uh. Um, let's see. We cut from that to the scene where uh, um, Coop and Harry <laughs> seem to appear to be about to question uh, Bobby and uh, what's his name? <laughs> Mike. 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 Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so they just. They, who walks yeah. in and he goes, do you have your story straight? And they're like, well, we, we, we don't have to get it straight if we're telling the truth. And he's like, and so what's that? And he's like, we didn't have anything to do with it. He's like, okay, bye. He's <laughs> like, what? And it was that easy. Yeah. And then he blows on that little whistle yeah. that he's been whittling since the pilot episode. <laughs> he barely had time to finish that in the vehicle last night. <laughs> and, uh, oh, good. That's a good moment. Um, Let's see. Harry makes this good comment about, I need to start studying medicine because I feel like Dr. Watson here. It's like, all right, sad boy. Um, Coop says to the kids as they leave, you better pray for the health and safety of James Hurley because if anything happens to him, I know who who did it. It's really good stuff. (laughs) The dog's like, yeah, fucking James. Oh my the dog's God. like, no, don't warn him off. Just let him kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, just get to know James well, a little bit more. <laughs> we'll all be better off. <laughs> um, we, we have coming up next is my favorite fashion moment in the entire episode, uh, which is we cut to the Packard uh, household, cat, Packard slash Martell household, and. Uh, uh, we've got good old Pete at the at the counter with fish and coffee. Hopefully, he can't fuck that up. Right? <laughs> uh, I guess we'll have to see. And Josie comes out wearing the most like. And remember, the last time we saw her was she was like in Harry Truman's arms as they were looking up at the stars. She's like, I, I'm so afraid. And she comes out in like the most I fucked robe that could possibly <laughs> be manufactured with '90s textile technology. Like it, it's, it looks like. She looks like a Final Fantasy twelve character, or maybe like something it, that like uh, Natalie Portman wore in Star Wars Episode two, like where it's got like side ab windows that come down like like kind of under her bust, but like there's still like a fabric that goes down over her belly button. It's like it, it's no attention is drawn to it or anything. Like she walks up to the counter and it pretty much just goes away after that. You don't see it, but it's like I'm like why the. F- and they put her in this robe. So you like, know she fucked. Yeah, well, so I could see it, I guess, here in the year of our Lord 2019. And we talked for like three minutes on Hot Mike about this robe. Uh, anyway, it's real good. And then, like. I'll have to get a screen grab of it. Yeah. Tweet about it. And so, but then, like, she instantly teleports into a dress because uh, Coop and um, Harry show up at the door. And we know she has to get her clothes on to see Harry. Um, so now we get this like extremely good scene in the living room of this house where 
Coop and Harry are talking with Josie for a second. Um, anybody want to take this football? Or? <laughs> well, I mean, I think most people who are familiar with Twin Peaks know the fish in the percolator line. It's it's yeah. a classic. It was even referenced in a Garfield still, which I posted <laughs> on our Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but the fit, so the way he says it, first of all, is... I mean, I don't even know how he came up with how to say it. Like, a fish in the... Can you do an impression? No. I'm not even going to try it. There was a fish in the percolator. (laughs) That's like my best one. It's it's, not great. uh, It's one of my my favorite moments of all time. But I have so many questions about how how it happened. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, they were going to make the coffee, right? And so was it Josie? I have heard a lot of speculation. So and by Josie a lot, makes maybe a point one to tweet. grab it and goes, mm-hmm. "I'll make another pot of coffee." Right. But I don't know how she managed to do that <laughs> and get in it into a new outfit and have the coffee ready to go by the time those dudes were in the door. Unless they were like literally standing on the doorstep for like twenty minutes while this all transpired. I'm confused. <laughs> Wait, maybe it's like a conspiracy theory I, thing. I have seen speculation that Catherine somehow yes, did it, which to me doesn't make much say. sense in terms of what is happening in this yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean Sure, why not? She has the most reason to. I, I, I'm kind of more in with the idea that it's just that Pete's entire being and life <laughs> is so suffused with the concept of fishing <laughs> that, like, he's just sort of subconsciously grabbing his <laughs> shit, you know what I mean? Like, they just, like, come off his body <laughs> while he's making coffee. <laughs> I definitely need to post a picture of the robe. I can't find one right now. Right. That's why I'm being yeah. a little quiet, but um, I'll find one and I'll tweet we'll, it. We'll make it happen. I'll screenshot it off of Amazon Prime if I have to. <laughs> it's I will fine. make Fritz do it. It'll be fine. Um, so, at any rate, we, we did kind of gloss over here this conversation that they have with Josie in which not a lot of interest comes out, but they're sort of talking. She says, oh yeah, I have my English lesson with Laura, which, way to bring back in this, like, plot point about Josie's fake bad English, which is, like, so awkward and vaguely racist. Um, yeah. And she's like, oh, so... vaguely racist. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. talked about well, the Well, well, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we talked I'm about two major the, problematic that I'm not going back into it more than <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. that. But it's, like... And she says this really kind of generic thing about, like, oh, definitely something was bothering her, but we didn't really talk about it. And then she leaves the room, and, like, Coop's like, so you're fucking... And, and Harry's like, how did you know? Yeah. <laughs> Harry has no chill, but he's not a liar. He's not like, that fucking robe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't see the robe. That's I it. know. If he come out in that robe, he would have been like, oh, <laughs> I see what's going on. We're fucking on. right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I watched his body language because he does say body language. His body yeah. language is very, like, awkward. And, like, he was, he he was very directed in that scene. Yeah. David Lynch, act like a fucking weirdo. Like, you have you do in all of my scenes? Well, I mean, how did he come up with the fish in the percolator line? Like, how do you think... <laughs> so, so, I've read about this. I'll have you. So, uh, apparently, it was... This happened to David Lynch and somebody else, and they got coffee... They were having coffee at somebody's house, and then were alerted not to drink it because somebody had accidentally left the soap in the, in the uh, percolator when they were washing it out. Earlier. Oh, so, okay. so, so the soap was still in there. Yes, yes. But, like, 
I guess that was the inspiration for, <laughs> I guess weird shit can just wind up in your coffee sometimes. Also, I like this scene because he asks for his coffee as black as the moonless night. Oh, and yeah. I'm just trying to picture going anywhere with someone who asks for that and just being like, fuck, can you just fucking ask for a yeah. cup of coffee? Well, well, and, and, being. and what's funny about that is Pete actually kind of responds to that like a human being. And he goes, pretty black. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, That's it. it. Yes. This robe. Can you send me that link? Matt in the background doing the... Producer <laughs> Matt doing Producer, the important you work. You tell me to look up pictures of John Chan. That's, that's what I'm doing back here. I'm not actually recording anything. This is all a scheme. Oh, God. Oh, there, there's this deal where the reason Josie walks out of the room is she gets a call from Catherine um, to say, like, your little stunt in allowing a person's whose, like, daughter died or some shit to go home, or, like, wound up hospitalized to go home yesterday cost us $87,000 and something, oh, your shenanigans, she yeah. says, yeah. which sets up this great thing where she comes back into the room and is like, what is shenanigans? <laughs> and yeah. Coop has, like, a like dictionary.com <laughs> reference in his head for it already. <laughs> um, so that's a really great thing. Can uh, I say that this scene actually has this weird sort of like in the background it's like a horn noise almost like a ship going by or whatever mm. and it, it, it happens a lot i assume it's like you know just mill noise or whatever yeah, yeah. and it's so disconcerting to me stuff like that i mean david lynch is such a good sound engineer yeah, yeah, yeah. but stuff like that he obviously it's, wanted it in there yeah it was stuff there. like that where it's just like no one pays attention to it it's never brought up it's just so creepy to me all the time and i don't know if this is just something that because i've always felt this way about weird sounds and things like that yeah. and it's just like like i don't like i actually wrote it down because uh it's just creepy to me like and which is kind of nice because it's a, kind of a goofy scene but there's just it, it, that's kind of like a good metaphor for the show it's so goofy but then there's always this underlying menacing something sort of unsettling. thing yeah, yeah like nothing you can really pinpoint but just just weird yeah like, totally what were you gonna say? Um, I don't remember, but for oh, me, it's not sorry. it's not the sound; it's the fucking wallpaper in every oh, yeah. house. That house is yeah. It's not just it's that house; it's every house, yeah, yeah. every hotel room, upsetting. or the or the wood paneling. I don't know what it is that it's wood just... paneling. And I do not. <laughs> Seth, you didn't know me when I lived in my apartment. That was when I was hating you for uh, not. Allowing my paper to go through, oh, but I, I lived in so an many apartment. Me. <laughs> I lived in an apartment We've with wood paneling, and it was like a ten-year like major gripe of mine that they wouldn't let me take it down. Like <laughs> I have like just a gut reaction to wood paneling now. <laughs> oh, it was bad. From the twisted mind of David Lynch, <laughs> wood paneling, <laughs> the return. Ugh. And uh, wallpaper with sailboats on it. This, this, um, this scene too is funny. Catherine calls and then it cuts to her toasting to someone. Yes. And then it cuts away and you're like, wow, what an intriguing mystery. I wonder when that will then be. They immediately and then they immediately go, oh, this is what's happening. And she has these sheets wrapped around her so that it looks like almost an organza dress. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? It's really weird about it in this particular like, scene. They definitely just, so like, okay, so. Obviously, she calls and she bothers Josie, and it's revealed that she is sleeping with Ben Horn. And she just has these sheets. Like, they obviously just fucked. 
And then she's like, let me just gather these sheets in a beautiful way. <laughs> in the way. most dress-like way. <laughs> like, like did you ever see the Headbangers <laughs> Ball with, with Kurt Cobain in the yellow organza dress? And he's like, well, it's a ball, so I guess I was going to... Yeah. Like, that's the way her sheets yeah, yeah, look yeah. around her. Yeah. I'm like, who was doing that? <laughs> Certainly not me. Yeah, well... Maybe Captain Martell. Honestly, that's not surprising as a character trait of her. She has lines here that are like, she said, do you take me for a pea brain chambermaid? <laughs> Which is like some tongue twister shit that David Lynch must have been like, great, put that in the script, you know? <laughs> um, I wrote in this scene, I wrote, these people are really bad at monogamy. Yeah, yeah. And I started to think, like, what if... Twin Peaks was like a big poly community. <laughs> the, like, would none like, of this have ever happened? Like, would it be the, fine? Twin poly cues. Yes, it's stigma and go with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Laura would have been fine. Everything would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been all right. Well, Laura probably would not Laura have been. Laura probably wouldn't have been. But everything but... else would have been great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. I'm going to say here, Ben Horn being a foot guy is the least surprising thing yeah. I've heard. Like, yeah, it's, just like, it's like really in your face about it, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm even weirded out about Catherine being okay with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that all, but that also makes sense. Yeah. You know? it, it's actually, it's like, oh yeah, this is a revealing character moment that works for both of And then of they them. start like really like hinting towards wanting to commit arson. But like in in like a way that is meant to be clever, like mm, maybe a spark will fly or like whatever. And it's like you guys are talking about burning down the mill, yeah. right? Like like can we? And just... they're like we're getting all horned up talking about burning down the mill. We gotta fuck again. It's like let me unwrap my. <laughs> Hold on, let me undo this elaborate dress I constructed out of the motel sheets. Um... Is there is there a name for getting aroused by arson? Is that like one of the? Like, it would be pyrophilia, right? Yeah, like I, I, I don't know if that's a real word, but it's like that would be the word <laughs> if it was. Yeah, the word. yeah. That was a real sentence that came out of my mouth. <laughs> um, so we're, we're, we all have graduate degrees in yeah, writing. Yeah. And, oh god! <laughs> now we cut to Sarah. Yeah, mm. and so this is kind of an odd scene. I don't know why Donna is here. I guess it's just supposed to be like a condolences visit or something. Um, it makes sense to me, though. Yeah, it Laura's makes sense. Laura's her best friend. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see her parents. She's probably close with her parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it makes sense, but it's still a little strange. Like, there's no introduction. Like, you just have Ray Weiss being like, Sarah. Sarah, I, I don't know why I just called him Ray Weiss. It's simply with color. It's like the same thing to me. They're like, they're two One sides person. of the same coin. Um, and so we get this scene that will become increasingly typical for Sarah, but already is pretty much her entire character on the show, uh, where she's just really fucking out of her mind sad about this <laughs> yeah. shit, yeah. and she is not moving out that off that couch no. ever. <laughs> it's she, not happening. It's so sad that she goes on about how she misses Laura, and yeah. then she grabs onto Donna's hand, and then she, like, sees Laura's yeah. face, and she starts, like, like, she's almost like, oh, you're back, and it's just so heartbreaking, and then with those amazing yeah, special yeah. effects. Yeah, yeah the 90s ass, like, <laughs> face superimposing, like, rotoscope-looking yeah, ass thing. Um, and then we have the first clear shot in the series yeah. of a creepy guy in a Canadian tuxedo, uh, like, crouched on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Behind, like, a daybed yeah. of a sort. I wonder what's going on with that guy. <laughs> well, we don't know. <laughs> and he, we won't for quite yeah, a But he doesn't here. really seem to be there, and... Uh, but Sarah's seeing him, and she's real, real upset about it. She um, starts screaming, and Leland comes yeah, yeah. in. Did anybody else notice this is 
way less important than Bob, but the exercise bike in the background, like the very 90s exercise bike no. that everybody's parents had. Holy shit, no, but this is the content for this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> what you're here for. <laughs> no. I was like, wow, like to have like a really kind of nice living room and then just put this ugly ass exercise bike in there. That's the most 1990s thing. I yeah, I feel like that's very negative of the 90s. I had many friends growing up. My parents never had an exercise bike, but I had many friends who were well off, more well off than I was, and they all had them in their living rooms. That is a thing. <laughs> it's an institution of 90s Or the parents. rowing machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like the bike is more like late 80s, early 90s, and then we get into rowing as we go on. Yeah. There you go. All right. So we're back here at the hospital. Um, we get Deputy Hawk for the first time this episode, um, and... We're already he's already rapidly being established as like the only one of the like less important than Harry cops who seems to know how to do his job. Um, he's like <coughs> sitting there. He's like talking to except well, it gets thrown into question this scene because he's sitting there talking to Ronit's parents, uh, parents yeah. which would seem to be an important thing for him to do. And then he sees a one armed guy walk by. And he's like, well, maybe I should just wander off in the middle of this conversation and see what this guy's doing. And so he like follows him through a door. And then there's like two different p- ways he could have gone. He's like, eh. and then nothing happens. <laughs> and neither of them were now, good. Like yeah, one yeah, was the yeah. oxygen room. Yeah, one's like the autopsy room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I feel like he could have gone to both. Yeah. And it would have landed him somewhere. So I, I see a couple different ways of reading this scene. Um, <coughs> one of them has to involve a great deal of foreknowledge about the series, and especially the role Hawk takes on towards the end of season two and. Very much so in the third season, um, which would be a very generous interpretation that Hawk senses something is off here and is really interested to try to follow that down. And we'll get more explanation way in the future of why he might be somebody sensitive to that kind of thing. But in in passing, just sort of watching this on a first watch, I don't know how you read this other than saying, that guy doesn't have an arm. What's he doing? (laughs) It's like really weird. (laughs) It's not much. And also there's, there's a line that's kind of important um, that Ronette was working at a perfume counter. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it's kind of, it almost seems like a throwaway line. Like, oh, you know, what was your daughter up to before this happened? Oh, she worked at a perfume counter. And this comes back and it's important. That plot point's important. Yeah. And that was something I noticed too. I think I forgot to write it down here, but um, that plot point, as you said, becomes big. And I didn't, I don't think I realized it was laid in quite as early as it was. Yeah, I didn't either. This was the first time I noticed it. There's nothing to sort of clue you in that that's important. And in fact, Hawk wanders away from He's it. He's like, not really. <laughs> uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, I almost wonder if that was the intention, to just sort of like throw you off yeah, the trail of the maybe. important detail. It, it wouldn't be outside of Lynch's range, I don't think. Um, I'm noticing, so we go to Ben Horn's office, and Audrey is sort of whimsically sort dancing. of dancing it would be generous to call it dancing looks well, like she's goth really dancing but she's mm. not goth but she's not goth yes. maybe that's what I was like I was, something seems not quite right about this um, it would be cool if she was like full techno goth and she had like glow sticks and shit um, I'm noticing on this watch through so far there's a repeated theme of when Audrey's music is playing it's something that's happening in the scene itself yeah mm-hmm. and like like the jukebox at the diner here it's like happening on a radio that Ben Horn turns off and this carries I'm realizing thinking back 
all the way into season three. There's a big scene involving this in season three. And now I'm wondering, like, is this happening through the whole show? And oh, I don't know yeah. if it is, but I'm, I'm going to be watching very closely for this. Um, but That reminds me of that uh, Mystery Science Theater, the werewolf one, when they're listening to music. But it sounds like the score. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, like, yeah. Let me, he's like, hold on, let me turn this on. They're like, are you turning down the score? Music he's actually listening to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, that's something to watch for, I think, because without giving anything of significance away, it becomes important way, 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 way later in the series. Um, anyway, there's this really, like, just so you know, there's daddy problems here scene, which, like, I don't know if this is supposed to retroactively explain her behavior with Coop earlier or the stuff that goes on yeah. in the pilot with the Norwegians, or, I mean, it's setting up the dynamics, but it already felt pretty clear to me. I uh, lost you Yeah, yeah ben, ben Horn has that line, which honestly <laughs> is, like, we, we've talked, we talked a lot about this on the pilot episode, but about how a lot of this series, it sets up a lot of cliches so it can knock them down. But this particular scene feels cliche to me in a way that's not clever and is not anything. It's just like... It, it, um, and especially with Ben Horn's character, who does so many more interesting things, has like, usually has an interesting way of couching his ideas and the mm-hmm. ways, reasons he does the things he does. It's like so... Like... I'm a mad dad, and you're my spoiled daughter. You yeah, know what I like, mean? My daughter is, like, growing away from me and yeah, doing yeah. things I don't approve of. It's yeah, like, yeah. who cares? Yeah, it's like, everybody's yeah. fucking it's like, dad. I, I understood that literally the first shot of her. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't need like, any. This is one of these things you've already communicated And this whole, like, Laura died two days ago. I lost you years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I was like, shut up. <laughs> and it's, like, for a series that, again, at times can so cleverly, like, slip something in or, like, communicate something to you in a really abstract way that you don't understand until way later. This was very like, hey, did you guys know? Did you guys know that there's a daddy-daughter issue here? Hey! <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That w- it did feel very Days of Our Lives. Yes. Like, I feel like... And, and not in the sort of, like, oh, we're doing a funny take on this. Yeah. Line, right, but, right. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of that, in yeah. a very good Days of Our Lives sort of take, <laughs> you get the scene with the, the Major's house with oh. Bobby. I love this scene, and I, I have to say, the Major's one of my favorite characters, and he's kind of like woke. At the beginning of the scene, he's like, Bobby, I know you're a teenage boy, and often teenage boys feel they can't emote, but... I feel like you should be able to. I'm like, yeah, that is a and, thing. And now I'm attempting to engage in, with you in yeah. dialogue yeah. about your feelings. <laughs> I know that you will not like it, but someday <laughs> might come to like it. <laughs> like, Can I just say, this yes, seemed like hit my daddy issues really hard. Real hard. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, okay, here's a man who's trying to... Co- so I was raised by four child psychologists. I'll just start with that. Sweet. <laughs> All <laughs> but, right, let's just get right into brass neck. <laughs> but, you New know, <laughs> the idea of, my, of, of a dad, like, trying to logically talk about emotions without actually having them or knowing mm. how to have them... It was like he had, he captured like one of the most insidious parts of the patriarchy for men in like one scene here. Yeah, it yeah. was. It, I mean, it, it hit me in the feels. And and I think it's kind of clever to Colleen's point about how he seems like a good guy in some ways, but he also seems like a bad guy in some ways. Mm-hmm. And you leave the scene going, 
how am I supposed to feel about this well, guy? Well, he has this brilliant thing, and then he slaps him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait. But then also, Bobby is the biggest piece of shit yeah, in the world. Yeah, So when you see him slap him, he's I, like... I'm not into like, hitting kids. Oh, okay, but like, no, that's bad. Yeah, I'm and, not and into so, hitting but, children. But also, mm. <laughs> it's, I don't, it's like, like, I really don't feel you should hit your children, but I would definitely hit my kid if he were Bobby. <laughs> like, so I'm like, kind of like, oh, I'm just going to give him a pass. Like, right. It's like Summer in the Curio Strap. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. <laughs> and how else would the cigarette land in the cheesecake? I know. I mean, that's important. Yeah. <laughs> We're here for you, Bobby. Oh, God. That, his, like, his, like, basically psychically absent mother. Like, that, that's, that is, like, so, like... She's like, uh, what's her name yeah. in American Beauty? Oh, I'm sorry that this house looks so messy yeah, right yeah. now. And he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, just fully Xan. Xanax- Next mom, um, it's, I it's love very, the major. Like, yeah, I love him. Yeah, yeah. The, this whole bit, I think, like falling on from this Audrey Ben bit that I think falls super flat. Yeah, you have this good. scene that is like on a, one level, it's kind of funny. On one level, it's like really sad. On another level, it's like it says a lot about family dynamics, but it also has this really sort of slapstick ending to it. It's like it's David Lynch in a it's nutshell. It's got a lot almost. of layers. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like it's everything you want out of his work. I mean, there's also more I want to say about the way Major talks, but I think it's too early to get into it. But let's pay attention to the way the Major talks through the next uh, three seasons worth of material. <laughs> also, um, the wallpaper is really atrocious. It's bad. It's really bad. And I'll say, too, from the first episode, they have a terrible kitchen. Yeah, it's, it's like all this bright orange and stuff. It's weird. Uh, so now we go on to... Um, I don't know exactly what, ha- what We, we what go on to the diner. Uh, okay, because this is the scene where... Coop says Shelly Johnson with a J, and I wrote, "What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> what else? How is he spelled Johnson, bro? Like, what you... <laughs> That's all I wrote for that before um, we get into the, uh, yeah. Margaret. But well, I'm like, how else would you spell Johnson? Well, it's very disturbing to me. Well, and here's here's the bit where Harry draws attention to what you said because Coop's like, "Oh, I don't know. I guess I'll have this pie." And then like he has one bite of it. He's like, "I need like." Three pies. I need like all the pies, and and then Harry's like, "You must have the metabolism of a bumblebee." Yeah. And then he just sort of doesn't say anything, and then just the plot exit. That part exits the plot immediately. Like they just totally like, lampshade they it. They threw and that in away. because they knew people would be like, "If he ate this much fucking pie, why is he so slim?" Listen, he is. We're the gonna FBI. cut them off at the pass and just say he's got a good metabolism. And lots of people jog in the show. Like there is a whole jogging motif, but he never jogs. Yeah, yeah he you does. never see it. I mean, he does seem to work like twenty-three hours a day, from <laughs> what true. I can tell. He like like, like the, the way that. time passes in these episodes is so bizarre. It feels like they do like like more than twenty-four hours worth of activity <laughs> in any given day that takes place in this show. Um, I did write so much pie. <laughs> I, I I love this bit where the guy gets up from the counter and Coop sees the log lady. He goes, there's the log lady. And Harry's like, yep. <laughs> and Coop, like king of the weirdos, is like, uh, can I like ask the log lady about her log? And Harry's response here is, like, I say this, I'm required by law to say this multiple times per episode of this now, I think. But this is one of my favorite bits of dialogue in the entire show where he just goes, Many have. <laughs> it's a very like, Buddhist answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the log lady. And when she comes by and she goes, one day my log will have something to say about this because she heard them talking about Laura Palmer. And he goes, and he goes, well, what is it? And she goes, ask it. 
And then they all just, you have like 10 seconds of silent people standing there staring on screen, which is my favorite lynch bit, is just when there's just a long, awkward silence that's not cut, it's there for effect, and then it's just like, I thought so. (laughs) This is one of the only times in, 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 we'll just say the first couple episodes, where Agent Cooper's kind of shitty. Yeah, yeah, he is kind of shitty about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just ask the log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, like, guy that fucking like hangs from the ceiling while talking to a tape recorder for hours on end about like barometric pressure and the Kennedys and stuff. Yeah, I'll you're gonna be snobby. Yeah, I know you're too fucking snobby to be yeah. like, hey, what's up with that log? <laughs> hey, did you see something that night, log? She says the log saw something that yeah, night. Yeah. You gonna you just ready to pass up a star witness like the log? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, and especially he is an FBI agent. Even if he believes that it's not actually the log speaking, like, wouldn't he want that to, like, information? placate yeah. him? Yeah, and, like, and yeah. I believe it's in the very next episode that we get into some bullshit that Cooper does believe, and it's like, and it's like, it makes the log look like fucking like basic addition and subtraction. You know, just, just the ask log the log. Was, the log was too much for you, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. But I, I do think I think that's an underrated part of Cooper, though, is like he's weird about shit, but like he has boundaries. So like he is an asshole sometimes. And there is stuff that he does miss he doesn't he isn't like a sherlock holmes character yeah, like who just dog, like like yeah. immediately knows everything or is good in every situation like he's good at a lot of stuff but like he drops the ball a few times yeah. and mm-hmm. that in fact ultimately he pays a high price for that <laughs> yes. yes but we'll see we'll see how it goes um i also want to mention that in this scene it's established that laura helped uh norma with Wheel, uh, Meals on Wheels. Oh, yeah. Okay. And she actually organized the whole, like, chapter there or whatever. She was the one who came up with doing it in the first place, which is... I don't know if it's necessarily important for the show. It, it, it does come back in the movie, which we'll get to someday. Well, and it becomes a plot point for Donna later. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, actually, it does, oh, yeah, it does it, come it, back it leads, a lot in It the leads show. into a bigger plot point that we're going to see later. Yeah. Um, so, it is important to take note of. It also continues to add to this reputation of Laura as doing everything for everybody. Um Laura also has this issue Coop has where she seems to be doing like 35 hours of work in any given 24-hour day. Like, You've uh, seen that meme, yeah, right? Yeah. Like if Laura could sleep with all these people, organize meals on wheels, do a bunch of cocaine, be the prom queen, then you can get out of bed and go to work today. Yeah, yeah. She had sex with three men in 12 hours? Yeah. yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 Now... We learn. We know there might be some circumstances around yeah. those three yeah. men, given that we know she was tied up and stuff. But oh, right. yeah. we, uh, still, there, there's a lot to come out about Laura. We'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, so, what have we got next? Okay, so if we're out of the diner here, we've got Leo at home. This is a rough scene. This is a rough yeah. scene, but I want to say something about it before we get into it. It being rough and not very funny. He says, Shelly comes home. She's like, I brought you pie. She's trying to be nice. And yeah, he asked for pie earlier. Like putting like asked. soap yeah. in a sock. So you know yeah, Shelly, you know it's going to yeah. be bad for Shelly. But he says to her, where's my favorite blue shirt? That's the second one you lost. You cannot have two favorite shirts. 
<laughs> well, well, obviously, Colleen, she lost the first one. That was his favorite. And then the blue one was his second favorite. So, both, like, okay, now it's the favorite. But were they both favorite blue shirts? Or were maybe, they? Maybe blue is his favorite I, color. It just makes me so mad. I'm like, no. No. I'm sorry. Yeah. This it, was not your favorite shirt. She lost the first one. Yeah. This was your second favorite and shirt. It, it's also strange, and maybe he doesn't bring it up because it incriminates himself, but the reason he's concerned about it, obviously, is that it was a bloody shirt. Yeah. He didn't mean to put it in that laundry or whatever. But, like, his way of dealing with it with her is just to be like, that was my favorite shirt. <laughs> like, he could have never mentioned yeah. it. And yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah. better for yeah, him. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, Leo being Leo. Yeah, I mean, he's an established dumbass, so it's not like it's out of character for him. I also will say, it's like, it's really kind of crazy that he's about to beat her and stuff, and then, like, he starts swinging this soap sock thing around, and it makes this cartoon, whoosh, yeah. which is like, come on, <laughs> don't do that. We don't have to do that, <laughs> that, that was She's so... afraid, it's a ski, it's, a, it's not a settling yeah. scene, it's not great, but like... Yeah, yeah. Well, was we it like need- a natural born killer's laugh track during the incest thing? Do you think it was like that kind of intentional? Oh, or? I don't know. I kind of feel like they were just I, like, well, this would be I feel like noise. it would have been funnier if it was. Yeah, though. I feel yeah. like it would have upped yeah, the It, it either needed to be funnier or not funny. Like, because <laughs> the natural born killer's laugh track during that family scene is so ludicrous. Yeah. Because yeah. nothing about that scene is really funny. That right, it, yeah. It's like, this is stupid. Like, this is a dumb thing, and that's what makes it work. Yeah. Um and and but really what we seem to be, what we're supposed to be getting like from this whoosh, scene is whoosh. that Leo's a bad guy yeah. and it's like but also helicopter sound effects. <laughs> yeah, like we don't need it's not ludicrous enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it needed to be more If they or had less. a laugh track, then it would have been like, yes, that's what they were doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is right up there with the help me thing earlier <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the episode you know, with like what TV rep was like, ah, put a sound effect on that. <laughs> you know, like, it just, it feels so out of place in a way that does not feel intentional, you know? Do we have a scene here with James and Donna? Because I literally just wrote James and Donna and then nothing else. <laughs> Which is obviously um, yeah, so this indicative is, of how this I is, feel about James so, and Donna. So, you know, when your best friend dies and you decide that you're in love with the boy that she was having an affair with from her primary relationship... Then the very next day, you bring that boy over to meet your parents. Oh, that's what and it was. So yeah. now um, we're at the we're at the Hayward house. Um, for some fucking reason, they're having her mom, who's wheelchair bound, cook them dinner. Which <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's like if it's like ableist to say that she shouldn't be making the dinner, but like. Like, be helping her in the kitchen. And they're all just sitting around staring at each other. She's like, let me just do everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, that that seems wrong, right? Like, that that didn't feel right to me. But (laughs) regardless, uh, they have exactly the same water glasses that my parents had in the 90s. I think everybody everybody had that same set of, like, those weird, like, kind of semi-frosted, jagged-edge, like, glasses. Um, nothing really significant happens here. James um, has fruit punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have a, like, James, would you like something to drink? And he's like, I'd like fruit punch. I think uh, this is also the worst wallpaper in the whole It episode. could be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really need to keep a wallpaper watch. For... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get Throughout some screenshots and be like, which one do you prefer? Yeah. <laughs> Choose your fighter. <laughs> like, I have four different <laughs> wallpaper screenshots <laughs> from the... Um, uh. but... Yeah, it's it's a real typically awkward, like, 
boyfriend meet your parents thing but they've only decided that they're together for like one day and it's as a result of this weird murder so like i know it's another one of these scenes where like i get that it's supposed to feel off and that's what i'm supposed to be getting out of it and it's like these people awkwardly trying to carry on with their lives but it's also it it also feels like nobody would really act like this yeah yeah (laughs) Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that because. So I want your take. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like so trauma, trauma and grief make people do some weird sure. shit. And I mean, I've so it was hard to watch this because I I unfortunately just lost a student of mine who is exactly seventeen years old, like so really tragically. Um, and I've been watching how the high school students respond and and the parents and everything and i was watching i watched the pilot to remind myself and then i watched this episode and it was like bizarrely accurate Mm. in the way people grieve and the way people i mean even laura's mom's crying like i you know that that didn't seem overdone even though that was the whole point Yeah. Yeah, yeah and but then there's also the question this isn't real life Right. This is this is a story that people are watching for entertainment. So that, you know, it's it's like, where do you draw that line? But I could easily see this happening with high school students. I mean, high school students, their hormones are just I mean, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's I mean, you're he's not in high school, right? He will be. Okay. Yeah, it, I mean, and it, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> like it is off the charts, and to have an intense emotional thing happen like this, and then like have somebody you could connect with. Yeah, and then you confuse that with love. Like that seems really, I, really. I possible. could almost see like I think I think part of it is I could almost see it being realistic if it was like oh then we just boned because we were both so sad and like we both loved her. <laughs> See, I could literally see that happening. Like, you know, like you, yeah. you grab onto someone who's feeling as bad as you are and whatever. But to be like, can you meet my parents now and drink some fruit punch? It's like, that's where it's kind I, of like, like you're going to invite him over the next day for lunch. Like, that's weird to me or dinner. I, th- I think what I'll say is that, like I said earlier in the scene where Donna was talking to her mom, I think that it's somewhat believable that Donna has wants to cling to this emotionally to sort of not think about Laura. Yeah. That part I get. Um, I don't understand the parents' continued behavior about it. Yeah. It's really yeah. weird. That, that's that's what I think was off to me about the scenario. Like, yes, bring where... your nice young man friend over. I mean, his girlfriend was just murdered under mysterious circumstances, but yeah, fine, bring him over, yeah. you know? And and I get that what I'm learning about from this scene is that this is the sort of town where you're like, well, nobody from here could have been capable of that. Like, yeah. I, I think I understand both the emotional setup as well as what I, as a viewer, am supposed to receive from it, but it just feels, uh, it, feel it feels marionette-like, almost. Like, we're, we're shoving characters into roles right now to make the plot move forward. It would almost feel more realistic if they were like, now James, and like, you know, like, said something. Like, a little him. more confrontational yeah, or like, something like, about you know, it. Like, yeah, like, we're Ma- gonna let him be here, but, there. like, we're gonna bristle at him a yeah. little bit. Well, yeah, yeah. he's a doctor, he should understand psychological trauma at some yeah, level, yeah, even yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> I'll give you that. All right. Seth, generously t- changing my mind on this scene. <laughs> I appreciate it. And now it. we have the end of the episode. Oh, this is really good. This is good. Who wants to take this one? You take it. Okay, so we we cut to Dr. Jacoby. 
who we've established in the last episode as being real fucking annoying, for one thing, (laughs) and also just kind of a kook, listening to some tapes, and they are tapes of Laura that she has sent to him. Like, almost like a therapy session, but she's she, she's just recording, like, almost like a, you would a diary, and then sending them. And she's like, oh, Jack, Jacoby, things are just so great right now, or like, whatever. And she's doing that awful voice, and it's very frustrating. And he's listening to them in his tiki apartment. It's all tiki. It's actually, I'm kind of into it, to be honest. Shout out to Michael Marino. <laughs> yeah, Michael I'm, Marino, if you're Michael after Marino. listening. <laughs> uh, I'm real into the tiki motif. But he takes a coconut off of a tree. And you're like, is he going to drink this coconut? <laughs> That's where my mind went. Hmm. He has a coconut tree so he can drink from them. I don't know. I was a little drunk when I this the other night. And what? He, and he's listening to the tapes and he's kind of like, you know. He doesn't really look super sad or anything, but he's just kind of like regarding them. And he opens the coconut and it has the other half of her heart-shaped necklace. (gasps) What does it mean? And then the episode ends. You didn't repeat the line that I thought you were going to grab out of that scene. Oh, shoot. Sorry. I screwed it up. In which Laura says, James is sweet, but he's so Oh! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I imagined it as a thing I felt. <laughs> but he's so dumb. She like really emphasizes the word dumb. And she talks like, about a mystery man. Yeah. Like a few times. And you're like, just, got- just fucking say who it is. Let's move on with this. <laughs> and that's how the episode ends. He yeah. has the other half of the necklace. And where will that bring us? Wow. <gasps> all right so do we think in the course of this last hour of recording or whatever we figured out what the traces to nowhere really were in the fucking plot <laughs> <laughs> the whole show is a trace to nowhere in a way but uh no i don't i don't think i mean they don't even say traces to nowhere sometimes they'll pluck a line yeah, and it's yeah. like okay but no. No. Well, well, well I mean, maybe watching. they're just trying to set you up to be more confused when it's over than when it started. Yeah. Well, what I am. did it mean? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've watched the whole series, and I'm more confused than when I started the series. So. <laughs> oh god! Actually, a thing I saw as I was uh, listening, kind of. Um, it's is producer Matt, title, Mike right. time. <laughs> he was going to yeah, say, yeah, here's what we learned this is Matt's corner. This is what we're going to call this part of the show. But the thing I, uh, about the episode titles is that when they first aired, there were no titles. Oh. And they went back and titled them when they were like... Um, Done for German TV. We're dubbed for German TV. <laughs> oh, uh, really? And, yeah, they they needed episode titles. So maybe this is just weird German existential bullshit. <laughs> that, that's been like translated right. English. Yeah. Holy shit! That's so, actually the best. Yeah. yeah. Very very Lynchian. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. So that's maybe that's why traces of I, to nowhere means. I, I, I was I was wondering if you were. <laughs> what going, is that in German? I guess. I, I, I was wondering if you were going to say, and we should not go into this anytime soon on the show. But at some point when the show went into syndication. They recorded these new intro bumpers for every single episode with the log lady just like talking yes, directly. So yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and like they so 
they just add sort of a vague dialogue for her that sort of thematically talks about the episode, but it's mostly bullshit. I was wondering if maybe it came out of those or something when you started talking, but I like yeah. this answer better. <laughs> that maybe it's just something that, like, the German translation team came up with, slapped on the episode, and then, like, it got retranslated back to English when they threw it up on, like, Netflix and shit. You can access those uh, Log Lady intros. You can watch the episodes with the intros on the DVDs, because nice. I have the DVDs. I they're in the garage right now, so I've just been watching through like Amazon or whatever. But you can, if you want to get more Log Lady content, you could just do it that way. <laughs> so, all right, well, all right. that's that. So, thank you so much, Seth, for joining us. This was well, thank awesome. Thank you for having yeah, me. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Point awesome. with episode three. Gotta hash that out. It's gonna happen. We'll figure it out. And maybe, we'll- maybe, maybe by then, the first episode will be available to listen to. <laughs> 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 All right, so we're signing off. Matt's on- acting like we recorded too much for the first, <laughs> first episode. I can't imagine what the issue with that was. <laughs> All right, I'm going to sign off. I'm Colleen Carney Hefner. I'm Chris Pruitt. And I'm Seth Fisher. And that's Matt Guerrero. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>